it's recording. So yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll sort that out. So there is a what we call um, an issue in uh, the in the text from in the New Testament from which the rest of this Lord's Prayer is uh, derived. So up to now, everything that we have seen, you will see in all versions of your Bible that you might be able to buy. But this last part, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever, amen, that is omitted from a number of Bibles, and you will see that um, even the Bibles that include it will include a note saying that the vast majority of Greek manuscripts do not support the inclusion of that phrase. So for, for, for our perspective in general, we would say uh, we, we cannot say that that is uh, necessarily Scripture. And that's not a problem, though, in the sense that what this catechism question is teaching, you can see that those same points are made throughout Scripture. These teachings are those three things, to use be the power and the glory and the kingdom forever, amen. These are things that are directly prayed as benedictions toward God in the Scriptures. So these are from the text of Scripture. Hi, morning, welcome. Um, yeah, these, these are in the, in the text of Scripture. So these things are scriptural things to pray. And so even though the ending of this Lord's Prayer may not be supported by most of the Greek manuscripts that we have, uh, it, is, it is certainly true and it's certainly appropriate to pray this way. Even the Lord's Prayer that uh, we started with in the first Catechism question of the Lord's Prayer very clearly states that our petition to God is that he, his name would be hallowed, glorified in the earth. So this is consistent with what is already in the, in the prayer. So just bear, bear that in mind, and it may make sense when you come across footnotes in your, in your Bible, if, it, if that's the case. So although these words are not necessarily Scripture themselves, they express scriptural truths that are clearly taught elsewhere. So the appropriateness as, as a capstone for our prayer it comes from the fact that each of these propositions in this petition are completely fitting for what the Bible teaches about God. So if we begin with, uh, for thine is the kingdom, we prayed earlier in this prayer that his kingdom would come. Uh, we, we say to the Lord in that prayer that it is his own kingdom. And part of the language we need to understand when we, when we use verbs like ascribe, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is not us giving God his kingdom and his power and his glory, but it is recognizing these realities that the kingdom is God's kingdom. The power is God's power. And the glory is God's glory because he has created his kingdom. He is powerful and he is glorious. And so the instructions that we see in the Psalms, for example, ascribe to the Lord all majesty and glory and honor and praise is not saying that we transfer it to him, but that we in rightly relating ourselves to God recognize that that is who he is. And so we praise him for it. Uh, you will see in the New Testament, often as Paul writes certain glorious truths in his epistles, he suddenly breaks out into basically song. I 
like a doxology where he just says, oh, the depths of the riches. And he just begins to praise God. We've probably all experienced moments like that where when we hear about God's truth and we realize who he is, we can't help but just sing uh, to the Lord and to exclaim and to say, God, you are so good. You are so glorious. You're so powerful. You're so loving. You're so kind. You're so holy. Those are, those are proclamations we naturally make. That's what it means to ascribe those things to God. So in this prayer, we express the fact that we are creatures rightly related to God through faith. That we fear the Lord that we, and, and we have wisdom because we understand our, our position in the, in the cosmos, in creation. We are the creatures. He is the creator. But more than just understanding this distinction between being creatures and God being the creator, we know that he acts towards us in a particular way through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his kingdom, he rules over us, his people, in grace. And he will draw us to himself. He will draw near to us. And he will, uh, he will glorify us in the new creation. That we will be talking about in our text again today as well uh, in the sermon. So in our prayers, we are to praise him, ascribing his kingdom, his power, and his glory to him. This is absolutely appropriate given what we know the Bible teaches and what we believe as confessional Reformed Christians. We believe that God in his sovereign power has well, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. And we had been saved by grace. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Uh, these are extraordinary truths that we, we hold as clearly taught in the scriptures. And these are consistent with saying things that like this is God's kingdom. He is the one who has the power, the power to make the dead alive. He, his, his life, which he can impart, is resurrection life, eternal life. That takes extraordinary power, the power that only the creator possesses. So it's perfectly fitting that we ascribe power to God. And he does all of this, as the scriptures testify... To glorify himself. That his plan in creation is that the heavens declare his glory. And his plan in redemption is that he would glorify himself by exercising his power and his authority and sovereignty in choosing a people. And calling them to himself out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his glorious son. So God's prerogatives, his sovereignty, his power, his authority, uh, his rulership over his kingdom are all these realities that once we consider all that we are taught in the scriptures, we can't help but ascribe God these things. Now, there's an interesting little section here where Williamson talks about those who profess to believe something different to that. Those who believe God has a kind of sovereignty, a conditional sovereignty, but that man has its own kind of sovereignty as well, and that 
God's sovereignty is somewhat subject to man's sovereignty. The example here he gives is, is Billy Graham, who in particular, he taught that God can only regenerate someone when they repent and have faith. Uh, this is really literally the opposite of, of the scriptures, which teaches that the only people who can repent and have faith are those that the Spirit has sovereignly regenerated. Faith is a gift that comes from God. It's not actually something that arises from within us. It is something that comes externally to us and is given by the Holy Spirit as a gift. So the scriptures say that no one does good, not even one. Everyone would agree that repentance and faith are good things. Uh, rather, the Spirit comes and regenerates, and then we, uh, we um, come to repentance and faith. But the point that Williamson goes on to make is even though people may express a theology like this, which differs from what the Scripture teaches, when it comes time to pray, they pray differently. They say, God, please save my friend. God, please change my stubborn friend's heart. All of this kind of language, which is precisely what the Scripture teaches God does do. So... Uh, one person cheekily said that everyone's a Calvinist on their knees. <laughs> because when it comes time to praying, the only God worth praying to is the God who can answer your prayers. The God who is subject to his own creation is no God at all. And so this is our, our great hope is that when we pray, we have a God who can do what we ask and delights to give his children the good gifts things that are according to his will. He is actually able to accomplish them. I think I've mentioned it once to you before, but uh, our, one of our professors of uh, theology, Dr. Horton, he, he said, if God wasn't so truly transcendent, and, the, and if God didn't have the power to do whatever he wanted, and if God was subject to anything in creation, then we might pray for God, but we could never pray to him. Because he would be like us. And that's no God at all. Our great hope and confidence is that when we pray to God, he is able to answer our prayers. Because he is not subject to his own creation. But in fact, everything is in subjection to his son, who is raised from the dead. Again, as we'll hear in our sermon text today. This is fantastic, the uh, points of coordination in this. Um, and, and as a result, this settles the disposition with which we live our lives. One in an attitude of prayer, as we have been taught to pray in the Lord's Prayer. That we begin in recognition that God's name should be hallowed in all the earth. And we end by ascribing Him that glory ourselves. As His creatures... But not just as, as creatures which would be fitting and right to ascribe him this glory, but as his redeemed creatures. Even more fitting to glorify God because not just of his creative work, but of his work of new creation, of redemption. Because without that, there would be no listening ear in heaven. God would be completely, completely shut off to hear the voices of sinners 
if it was not for the Lord Jesus Christ. As you hear in the Old Testament, God says to Israel as corporately when he treats them in the Mosaic Covenant as, as his people and is requiring obedience of them in order to remain in the land and so on. When they are sinning in gross idolatry as a nation, he says, your incense is disgusting to my nostrils and your worship is just like bashing symbols. And I, and I, and I won't hear the words of your prayers. Well, we have no need to ever fear hearing something like that from God because the one who supplied perfect obedience is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you as believers, always having a hearing ear in God the Father who listens to you as if you are speaking from the very righteousness of, your, of his son because you have that righteousness through faith. And so what else could we do than ascribe to God the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our, our Lord in, in heaven, our Father, we thank you that we have this great privilege even now to pray. And ahead of this Lord's Day uh, service, which we have anticipated all, um, all week, and we long for each week, we thank you that with the perfect consistency of your faithfulness and your covenantal love that you have a purpose to meet here with us and to bless us. And thank you for the teaching that we've had through the Lord's Prayer and the Catechism as a whole. May this cause us to love you more deeply and to be fervent in prayer, understanding what a, what a blessing it is that we have a listening ear in you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we praise you, we glorify you, and we say to you, be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.